I have a four-volume work in my library titled Promise and Deliverance. And uh, I am utilizing uh, some of the material in volume two of Promise and Deliverance, written by S.G. DeGraff. I'm utilizing some of his material. He is, uh, a, have, has been a big help to me in putting together this message. The passage that we read this morning, 1 Kings 3, verses 1 through 15, is about early or young Solomon. Solomon is the son of David and Bathsheba. He is the third king of Israel who would go on to reign like his father David for 40 years. He also has the name Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord. And Solomon is the wisest man who lived until the Lord Jesus came. 1 Kings 3.12 has these words, I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. The words the wisdom of Solomon are proverbial. There are five things that I see in 1 Kings 3, verses 1 through 15, concerning Solomon. Five things that he does, five actions that he takes that I would like us to think about, consider this morning. These five things will not only, however, instruct us about young Solomon, more importantly, some of them will also instruct us about our Lord Jesus Christ. And all of them will give us some good challenges concerning our lives and the Lord Jesus. Let's have prayer and then consider these five actions of Solomon. Heavenly Father, you have given us 1 Kings chapter 3. Help me, please, in preaching these verses. Help me, please, to uh, please you, to honor you. And help us all to honor you by responding with our lives to the truths that come forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Taking up our five actions in the order in which they occur in 1 Kings 3, we first notice that Solomon takes a wife. He marries Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 1 of 1 Kings 3. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord, 
and the wall around Jerusalem. If Solomon is remembered by people for anything other than his wisdom, it is no doubt for his marriages. 1 Kings 11, verses 1 and 3 read, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. My, that's quite a lover, is it not? And we thought some of the Hollywood personalities were the champions here. You would probably like me to say something about this subject of Solomon's many wives. It would prove interesting and profitable for us to think about this subject, but doing so would take us away from the point we want to make about Solomon's first marriage, his marriage to Pharaoh's daughter. So, Putting the fact of his many wives aside, let me share with you an important point that I have learned about Solomon's marriage to Pharaoh's daughter. His marriage here actually teaches us something about the Lord Jesus. Reverend S.G. DeGraff has written these words. It is certainly significant that the king of Egypt let his daughter marry the king of the once despised and oppressed nation of slaves. Uh, parentheses. You, you remember, Israel spent hundreds of years in Egypt as slaves. Israel had clearly assumed a place of honor among the nations. This acknowledgement is to be read as a prophecy that one day all the nations would honor the great king to come forth out of Israel. In his name, the nations will worship God. Solomon is a type of Christ here in the sense that his marriage to Pharaoh's daughter, his being honored by Pharaoh in this way, pictures for us the truth that one day people from all nations will honor, will bow before the Lord Jesus and receive him as Savior and Lord. As Psalm 72, a psalm of Solomon himself puts it about this Messiah, verses 8, 9, and 11. He will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. 
all kings will bow down to him, and all nations will serve him. In Christ Jesus, people and realms of every tongue will worship the Lord God. People from Iran, people in China, people in North Korea, people in Indonesia and in India and in South America, yes, a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language will honor the Lord Jesus, will trust in him, will love him, will follow him, will live for him and be found in heaven because of him. The honor shown to Solomon here foreshadows the honor that will be given to the Christ. By the way, have you bowed before the Lord Jesus and confessed him as your Savior and Lord? As we pointed out last week, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Second of all, we notice in 1 Kings 3 that Solomon offers sacrifices to the Lord God at Gibeon. See verse 4 with me now. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. In the days of 1 Kings 3, I have read, there was still no temple in Jerusalem. The tabernacle was in Gibeon, and the ark of the Lord was in a tent in the city of David. But there was no central sanctuary to which all the people could come for worship. The people still sacrificed on the high places throughout Israel. Solomon, we go on to read next in our text, went to Gibeon and made an enormous sacrifice there. He went to the most important high place and offered to the Lord God a thousand burnt offerings. He offered a thousand animals in sacrifice to the Lord. To make this point practical for us, let's ask the question, why? Why or what was behind Solomon's huge action? S.G. de Graaf. Solomon was at the beginning of his kingship, and he wanted to seek the Lord. He wanted to seek, he wanted to have the Lord's favor upon his reign. Verses 7 and 8. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child. 
Uh, Solomon is about 20 years of age at this point and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. Solomon, with his enormous sacrifice, was turning over his entire reign. He was turning over his entire self to the Lord God for the Lord's blessing to be upon him. Burnt offerings were to express the complete dedication of oneself to God. He was dedicating himself to God. In our PCA denomination, whenever a church calls a new pastor, a service of installation takes place. The service of installation is not only the official placement of a pastor in a church, but it also is an opportunity for the pastor and congregation to turn themselves over to God, to give themselves to God for his blessing, to dedicate themselves to God. That's what Solomon was doing in his second action of 1 Kings 3. He was consecrating himself and his reign to the Lord God for the blessing of the Lord God to be upon both. He sacrifices to the Lord. He dedicates himself to the Lord for the Lord's blessing. When our Lord Jesus came to earth to save his people, from their sins. We read that he gave himself entirely to the Father. We see that he gave himself completely to his Father and his Father's task for him. Hebrews 10, verses 5 and 7. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. Solomon is a picture, a type of Christ here for us as well. He reflects for us the wonderful truth that Christ would give himself with his whole life to God for our salvation. He would consecrate himself fully to the Father for the eternal life of his people. Christ is honored throughout the world because he has totally given of himself to the Father. John 4, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I read about a worship service that took place, I believe, in Africa. And in this worship service, they gave the people the opportunity to give an offering to the Lord God. They had a large basket up front 
And during singing or during music, I gather, the people could get up and come up front and put their offering in this large basket. A gentleman was present in the service, and he went forward, and when he got to the basket, he stepped into the basket, and he stood there because he wanted to communicate to God, I am giving myself entirely to you. I am dedicating myself to you, Lord Jesus. Are we entirely dedicated to the Lord? Can we say, here I am, I am here to do your will, O oh my God. Third, third this morning is Solomon asks for wisdom. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. The dream was in response to Solomon's consecration of his life to the Lord. In the dream, the Lord said to Solomon, tell me what you would like me to give you. Ask for whatever you want of me. Solomon once again replied that he knew that he had been given to Israel in place of his father to be the nation's head and king, and that he therefore bore a very heavy burden of responsibility. He said, how was he to govern the people in the spirit of his father, David, since he was still so young, so incapable of carrying out his calling? Solomon requested of the Lord then an understanding heart to govern the people justly. Verse 9 of 1 Kings 3. Solomon said, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people. In the Hebrew, the phrase a discerning heart is literally translated a hearing heart, meaning a heart to know and do your will. Give your servant a heart to know and do your will to govern your people. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon asks for wisdom. He requests an understanding and an obedient heart to carry out God's calling on his life. Question. If the Lord would appear to you in a dream and say to you, tell me, what would you like me to do for you? What would you say to him? For what would you ask? I remember conversing with a person. And at the end of our conversation, I, I said to him, 
I would be glad to pray to the Lord for you. Is there something you would like me to pray about? And this person immediately said, money. You can pray for more money for me. What would you request of the Lord? Solomon's choice of wisdom was pleasing to the Lord for this reason. Solomon, in making his request, was not thinking about himself. Rather, he was thinking about the calling the Lord God had given him. Let me say that again. Solomon wanted wisdom, not for his gain and glory, but so he could carry out God's will in his life. In other words, once again, we see in Solomon a person dedicated, given over to the Lord God. And once again, we see through him a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ, who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Young Solomon is a challenge to us to once again be dedicated to the Lord God. I remember reading years ago that life is not meant to be limited to such a narrow scope as ourselves. You know, me this, me that, me, me, me. Life is rather to be taken up with the Lord. That's why we were created. And that's why there is redemption, to be taken up, to enjoy to live for the Lord God. We have gone astray at times in this, have we not? We often live for ourselves, do we not? We are perhaps doing this right now. We're living for ourselves. Let's be thankful to the Lord God for calling us out in reference to this point for our lives. Action number four of Solomon in our passage is Solomon offers sacrifices to the Lord in Jerusalem. The Lord once again was pleased with Solomon asking for a hearing heart with which to lead the people. The Lord then said to Solomon, Verses 11 and following. Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth, nor for the death of your enemies. Uh, just a very quick note here. Um, those three things probably are the most requested things if the Lord would say, uh, what would you like me to give you? Well, uh, give me health. Give me long life, 
health, give me wealth, and take care of those people who bug me. Well, Solomon didn't ask for that. And because of that, the Lord said to him, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, riches and honor beyond all the kings of your time, and long life as well, provided you continue to walk in the ways of the Lord. After that, Solomon returned to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the Lord. And there, verse 15 says, Solomon sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. And now here is the thrust of this fourth point for us. Solomon sacrificed in Jerusalem because of what the Lord had promised him. Better, better. Solomon sacrificed in Jerusalem because he believed the promises of the Lord to him. He took the Lord at his word. And so action number four of Solomon shows us a person who is not only dedicated, but one who believes believes the Lord God as well. Young Solomon is a person of dedication, and young Solomon is a person of faith, a person of trust. And so Solomon also challenges us today to believe day in and day out, moment by moment, to believe the Lord and his word. I've mentioned to some of you more than once how my good friend Warren Wearsby, the late Warren Wearsby, has said, if I had my ministry before me again, I would encourage more. And then I've quoted somebody else, encouragement is the food of the heart, and every heart's a hungry heart. I like that. But I also like this, if I had my life and ministry before me again, I would want to trust the Lord more and help others to do the same. We are challenged by God through Solomon this morning to do just that. God says, be mine, be dedicated to me, and believe in me. Trust in my word. Galatians 2, verse 20. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Last, this morning, we see that Solomon gives a feast for all his officials. Notice, once again, verse 15. He returned to Jerusalem 
stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. This is what Reverend S.G. DeGraff says about this last action of Solomon. After he made the fellowship offerings, Solomon dined with all his officials at a great banquet. There they ate and drank in fellowship with God so that they could lead the people in such fellowship. One Wednesday evening in a study of the book of Jeremiah, those of us in that study saw that one main reason the Jews of Jeremiah's day were hurting spiritually was the leaders. Jeremiah 50, verse 6, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and caused them to roam on the mountains. The leaders of the people, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, may have known intellectually the word of God, but they certainly did not know in their hearts the Lord God. They did not know in their souls the Lord. They did not fellowship with the Lord God. Solomon, last of all, reminds us that to minister for the Lord in our circles, and every single one of us has a circle of ministry, we have to know the Lord Jesus and fellowship with the Lord Jesus. We must have a saving relationship with him and be spending time with him. We minister from a life that communes with the Lord. If we want people to commune with Jesus, we must commune with him first. And so, if you are a parent trying to minister to your children, if you are a teacher on Sunday morning trying to communicate Christ to a class, if you are an officer of this or some other church, if you're a Christian seeking to be used by our Lord at work, at school, in the neighborhood, wherever you are, you need to make sure you are spending time with the Lord for yourself and your ministry. You need to be a person who fellowships with the Lord Jesus. John 15, verse 4. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Fellowship with the Lord so that you can lead others in such fellowship. Here once again are the five actions of Solomon, young Solomon, for you to toss over 
in your minds and lives today. Solomon marries Pharaoh's daughter, which is actually a prophecy of Christ being honored by the nations. Solomon offers sacrifices to the Lord at Gibeon, which is a challenge for us to make sure that we are dedicated to the Lord Jesus. Solomon asks for wisdom, which is a challenge for us to make sure that we're not about ourselves, but we're about the Lord and dedicated to him and his purposes for us. Solomon offers sacrifices to the Lord in Jerusalem. He challenges us to believe God's promises, to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. And Solomon gives a feast for all his officials, telling us of the importance of spending time in fellowship with the Lord Jesus, so that from that, the Lord Jesus can minister to those around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, some, some really important truths. The tendency now will be to uh, go from here, eat our lunch, go home and uh, forget about what we have just heard. Please, Heavenly Father, help us to not waste this time that we've just spent in your word. Help us to profit from it. Work in each one of our lives, Heavenly Father. Use your word to greatly honor and bless you. We thank you for what we have been reminded of in reference to the Lord Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for coming and giving of yourself wholly for the salvation of your people. Thank you so much that because of what you have done, there are those of us who have our sins forgiven, your righteousness applied to us, and the new heaven and the new earth waiting for us. Heavenly Father, may what we have just said about ourselves be true of all of our family members, our friends, and the ones who are part of this church. May all of us know the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.